0: Want to hear this episode ad-free? Hey, true crime friends. This is your host, Mary DePippe. And if you would like to hear your true crime and academia episodes completely ad-free, consider going to patreon.com slash ivorytowerboilerroom and become a subscriber For $5 a month, you not only get access to now ad-free episodes of True Crime in Academia, but bonus episodes as well. Every month, I love to offer subscribers a bonus episode, such as Richard Ramirez, The Night Stalker, or Casey Anthony, or The JonBenet Ramsey Killing. I mean, you name it, I want to cover it. So... The only way you can access that is to go to patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room and become a subscriber today. Like I said, it's only five dollars. I mean, think about it. I mean, you're really just buying me a coffee, which I know I say sometimes in my episodes, but it's true. And for all of the research and everything, you know, we put or I put into getting you these episodes, it would be nice just have a cup of coffee. So go to patreon.com slash boiler room and become a subscriber today so you can get access to those bonus episodes. And like I said, now especially ad free episodes. So one more time, that's patreon.com slash boiler room and get your bonus episodes and ad free episodes today. true crime friends welcome back to another episode of true crime in academia i am your host mary de i hope you all have had a wonderful week and are looking forward to a relaxing weekend i know i am um last week i was actually up in new york in long island because we were celebrating the internship and our interns and how incredible they have been and Rosie specifically you know the true crime and academia intern um so just a lot of travel um I did do axe throwing which is something I've never done before um and it's definitely not as easy as it looks (laughs) they're not as heavy it's just I don't know it's the whole like action of like when you release and how you throw like that's seems to be the most difficult part is to try to regulate that anyway um but yeah it was so much fun um there was one game that we played where we had to like they put zombies like it's almost like a projected computer game if you will um the zombie heads didn't move but like you know you had to aim for the targets and as you got them you know you got points um but yeah it was really really cool but I am looking forward to a relaxing weekend of not having to drive so much. So with this week's case, we are looking at a professor murderer. Um, we haven't done a case like that in a while. So I figured it would be nice, interesting um, way to bring that back and, you know, spice things up a little bit. So, without any further ado, let's get into it. On October 20th, 1962, police responded to a missing persons call. Reverend Miles Tabor and his wife had become concerned when their daughter didn't return home after seeing her husband, Gene, Stees. Gene had been having an affair, and Helen was hopeful that they could move past it and work on saving their marriage. When the day had came and went and Helen never came home, her parents felt that something more sinister must have happened. It wouldn't be long before police would locate Gene and he would confess to his wife's murder. Gene Stees was born to Mr. and Mrs. William Stees in Philadelphia, and Helen Tabor was born to Reverend and Mrs. Miles Tabor in Ashland, Ohio. Not much is known about their early years, but it was stated that William Stees had served time at some point for a murder charge, and sadly, I have no other information on, you know, that charge. Um, however, since he got out, I'm assuming it must have been some sort of, like, manslaughter, hopefully involuntary. Um, but honestly, I'm thinking it must have had something to do with physical violence given what we're gonna talk about and what happens with this case as it goes on. Jean and Helen had met at Grace College in Indiana where they both were students. In 1955, the couple got married. Helen worked as a nurse and she was able to help her husband like go through extra schooling. At some point, he being Jean obtains his master's degree from the University of Indiana, and then decides he wants to work toward his doctorate. So again, quite literally, Helen is working the hardest <laughs> and doing all the things to help him get through school and putting him through school. I'm sure she is paying for it. I don't know that like taking loans out for college was a... Like a more common thing back then, I think a lot of people, either you had the money to pay for it or you worked for it and paid for it yourself or you just didn't. And I think she was doing the former, which, you know, working and putting her husband through school and a lot of school, to be honest. Now, during the course of their marriage, Jean and Helen had two children. And again, that is all the information I have about them. Um, but honestly, it's probably best that we don't know anything about them. Let their private lives be private. Now, while attending classes for his doctorate, Steeves met a woman named Patricia Weathers, and the two fell in love, and they started having an affair. Now, Patricia, like Jean, was also married with children, and it seemed that her husband and children lived in Florida while she was going to school. Now, at some point during the late summer, either July or August, Jean Steeves finds a job as an assistant professor at Ohio University in Athens. And I couldn't find out, like, the exact date or circumstances of this, but at some point before this happens, it seems that Helen finds out whether Steeves tells her he's having an affair or she found out on her own. Again, I'm not sure, but... She finds this out, and when she does, she moves in with her parents in Ashland, Ohio, with the children. Gene decides he's going to rent a small farmhouse, and he moves in there with Patricia.
1: LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? If so, the Gay and Lesbian Review wants to hear from you. Have you been moved by an LGBT book, film, painting, television show, or other form of media? The GNLR believes in bringing awareness to queer art and artists through reviews, commentary, and thought pieces in which the author relates their personal lives to a particular piece of art, a novel, a movie, or what have you. In addition to the articles published in the print magazine, the GNLR also publishes articles on its blog as well as personal essays on its popular Here's My Story section. This allows people like you to share their own experiences with our readers. To learn more about submitting either to the print or the online edition of the GNLR, visit glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W dot org and scroll down to the bottom of the page to find a link to their writer's guidelines. If you have any questions, email stephen.hemrick at The GNLR can't wait to see what you have to say. And remember that they're offering an exclusive code with the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. So when you subscribe to the magazine, you'll receive a free copy with any print or digital subscription. So that's seven issues instead of six. Again, just visit theglreview.org and click subscribe and enter the promo code ITBR for your free issue. Hi, this is Andrew, and I'm interrupting what I know is an enthralling interview because I want you all to know that we are sponsored by Broadview Press. And if you don't know, Broadview Press is an independent academic publisher who publishes books covering topics like English studies, writing, philosophy, history, gender studies, and every season on the podcast, I interview one of the Broadview Press authors. So for the fall, we had Anne Stevens on to talk about literary theory and criticism. She played a Wizard of Oz literary game with us. She talked about why Bridgerton actually involves literary theory. So does Fifty Shades of Grey. Who knew? Um, And also, we just had on Jeffrey Weinstock, who wrote the first ever pop culture analysis book. So, you know, I am all things a lover of pop culture, especially my Hollywood topics, Real Housewives, the list goes on and on. And he also wrote the book called The Mad Scientist's Guide to Composition, where he's writing a book teaching students about how to write, rhetorical strategies. But it's all around this metaphor of being in the mad scientist laboratory because as you'll learn when you hear our episode with Jeffrey, he is a gothic and horror fanatic. And I mean that in all the best ways possible. So you don't want to miss Broadview Press's exclusive discount because you're listening to the podcast. All of you get an automatic 20% off Use the code Ivory Tower for 20% off site-wide on all of their books. So our in our show notes we have a link to Broadview Press. Make sure you click the link, put in Ivory Tower, and you're gonna get 20% off your order. So enjoy your reading, everyone
0: on October 20th, 1962. Helen arranged to meet Jean in Athens. She before leaving told her parents that, you know, she really hoped that she and Jean would be able to work on their problems and reconcile. And I completely understand. I you know, they were college sweethearts, so I'm sure that has a lot of, you know, there's a lot of emotions there. But also, like, they have two children together. So I can also see her maybe wanting to keep their marriage together for the children. And, you know, again, this is the 60s. So in the very early 60s as well. So the idea of a broken family was extremely frowned upon and just not as common as it is today. So whether or not she truly forgave him or not... You know, she might have just been doing this, you know, to look out for the image of the family. And again, her father was a reverend, so I can't imagine that he would be a proponent of divorce, you know. It was said, though, at this time, Patricia Weathers had actually flown back to Florida to see her husband and children. Now, the next day, October 21st, Helen doesn't come home and her parents immediately become concerned So they call police. Given that Jean was the person she was going to see that day, obviously police are like, yeah, we need to go question him. And it seems like he kind of just really broke and sung like a fiddle and confessed almost immediately. He confessed to investigators that shortly after they arrived at the farm, he and Helen... He then struck his wife in the head with a crowbar, pulled the plastic bag over her head, and then that night stuffed her body into a metal drum before putting it in his car, a station wagon, driving all the way to upper end of a lake called Doe Lake. And from there, he carried the barrel to a boat, put it inside the boat, rowed out near the swimming area, and dumped the metal drum over the side of the boat. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I hate to say that it does indeed get worse because when asking why he would have done this, he said because he was madly in love with Patricia Weathers and Helen had just told him that she was pregnant. So yeah, not only (laughs) did this asshole kill his wife, he killed his unborn child. Hey, Ivory Tower Boiler Room listeners and true crime friends. You've heard me gush over this incredible woman and her beautiful products. I'm talking about Mandy Made It. Mandy makes customized and original crochet and pre-cut goods. They are the perfect, unique, one-of-a-kind gift for literally anyone in your life. And she makes incredible home decor. I still have my pumpkins that I put out every fall. I just love them. Check her out on Instagram at M-A-N-D-E-E Made It or search Mandy Made It on Facebook. To order... Just slide into her DMs, and if you mention the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, you will receive a free personalized gift with your first order. So, go on Instagram and look up at mandymadeit, and Mandy is spelled M-A-N-D-E-E. Again, her handle is at mandymadeit, Mandy spelled M-A-N-D-E-E, and order today. With all of this, of course, Gene go- Steeze was going to trial. And at trial, the prosecution established two motives. His desire to marry Patricia Weathers, which was in fact reinforced by her own testimony. And she said that Gene had told her that he had every intention of divorcing Helen. And once that was finalized, the two of them would get married. The fact that at their last meeting, Helen had actually informed him, like I said, that she had become pregnant, which again was a new problem for Gene. Like I said, the evidence against him was overwhelming, and that's just aside from his confession. When investigators searched his car, they found a pool of blood on one of the seats. Now, Stees was eventually convicted of first-degree murder. However, he was convicted of first-degree murder with mercy, which means he wouldn't have had to have faced the death penalty. Basically, it's just another way of saying that he would serve life without the possibility of parole for at least 20 years. Stees immediately entered the Ohio Penitentiary on February 14th, 1963. It was said that he was a model inmate and was eventually transferred to the records office where he became a clerk because, you know, you have to have a job in prison and this one was considered to be a good job and it had benefits. Two specifically that benefited Mr. Gene Stees here. First, instead of wearing prison clothes, he would have to wear khakis. Pretty much the standard uniform of anyone ever. Khakis and like a dress shirt or a polo or something of that. But basically because he was in normal clothes, you know, people might not know he's a prisoner. Second, the record section where he was working or the record office was only a few feet from the door that led to the outside. And I'm pretty sure you're seeing where I'm going with this, because on February 18th, 1970, Gene just walked out of the prison while wearing his work clothes. Because, you know, he was allowed to, and no one thought the wiser. It's been theorized that Gene had started saving up his earnings pretty much since he was sentenced, and then took that money to a Greyhound bus, and then took that to an unknown location. Now, it was said that when he was in prison, Gene had frequently talked about Australia and his interest in Australia. So it is very possible that Gene could have fled to Canada changed his name, and then flew to Australia. However, Gene Stees has not been seen since he left that day. So no one knows where he is. Um, it seems like he would be maybe in his 80s by now. That is if he is still alive. Um, but yeah, that is the murder of Helen Stees, a.k.a. The case of Jean Steeze. That is all I have for you, my loves. I hope you all enjoy your weekend. Please do not forget to follow True Crime in Academia on Instagram and TikTok at True Crime in Academia. Or on Twitter at TC in Academia. Also, if you are looking for bonus episodes, there will be one coming out next week. Go to patreon.com slash ivorytowerboilerroom and become a subscriber. You know, buy me a cup of coffee. I'm tired, please. All right, guys, I will see you later.